And welcome to the show. What better way to kick us off than the dulcet tones of Jack Wilshire, enraging half of North London. And yes, people, I am feeling very smug and very happy. And I cannot wait to get the show started. I'm Rory. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. Tommy, how are you? I am feeling grand, maybe just as good as you. Maybe you're feeling slightly better than me. I'm not I'm not sure about it, but yesterday we watched the games together and the spirits were running high, rightfully so. So welcome to our Monday night Euro Review show. If you're not on Twitch, you're probably listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Well, next week, why don't you just tune in on a Monday night and as we kick off. Also, Liverpool are kicking off against Wolves and so are Barcelona against Huesca with Lionel Messi being honored by the non-present fans for reaching as many appearances for Barcelona as Xavi did. I believe it's six, 767 games. Wow. My God, that is ridiculous. Could he realistically hit 1,000? Is that doable? Oh, I don't know. People were talking about his last Champions League goal. I'm not sure they would be backing his 1,000 appearances for Barcelona. We shall see. I, I definitely think that that would be a huge landmark for any player. 1,000 games for a single club, that would be huge. That'll be, yeah, the only player I can think of who's done a thousand is Peter Shilton, most famous for being outjumped by Diego Maradona, did make a thousand appearances um, in professional football, but also he was a goalkeeper until he was 42. So it kind of, for a goalkeeper, it makes more sense, I suppose. For an outfield player, that would be ridiculous. But nice. maybe it's another record that Messi can collect. Who's following us, Rory? I see three viewers who are with us right now. So far, we have Chris. So he is, I'm assuming he's double screening because he's going to be watching the Liverpool game as well, I imagine. Um, And we have Steve Cole, legend, always on us at Twitter. And we have the Hopeless Wanderer pod following us as well. So thanks for coming, guys. I'm excited for this show. To start with, we need to give a quick shout out to friend of the show, Filippo Giovagnoli. Hell yeah who has now won the two finals that he's been in with Dundalk as they beat Shamrock Rovers on penalties in the President's Cup on Friday night. So the President's Cup is kind of like our community shield. Um, if you haven't seen the goals, the goal from the Shamrock Rovers defender is very Bergkamp-esque. It kind of went viral for a bit. But the hero of the show was Italian-Albanian goalkeeper Alessio Abibi, who saved the deciding penalty that meant that Dundalk got their season off to a trophy-winning start, which is a fantastic start. And good work, Filippo. Like, that's a 100% record in finals so far. You can't argue with that, right? Do you remember what he said? So he was a, he was a trainer for a very long time. He worked uh, as an assistant coach. And then when he signed at Dundalk, he said, well, I know how to coach a team. Now I just have to learn how to win. And I guess... I guess he's learned pretty well. Two finals, two wins, 100% record on finals. That's pretty huge. Well, And the interesting thing as well, 
when the players scored, they all ran over to the coach, which I think is always a very good sign. They all they ran over to him and his assistant. Shows that there's a good spirit, and I think they're really behind him. So yeah, good start to life for Filippo. I'm definitely hoping it works out. Today was payday, and I've just ordered my Dundalk away shirt. So I'm kind of annoyed Filippo didn't give me one for free, but you know, I will pay my way, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. So, Rory, we've got a whole lot to talk about. And I was thinking to get us kicked off from Turkey with the Turkish Super League, where Fenerbahce lose yet again. And every time I think of Fenerbahce, I think, of course, of Mesut Ozil. They are going a bit start and stop. Loss, win, draw, win, loss. And this weekend, they lost against the bottom side of the table, an unpronounceable name, Jenglebirligi. <laughs> I apologize to any Turkish listeners. While Galatasaray win 3-0, thanks to a goal by Falcao and a brace by Onyekuru. And Besiktas, top of the table with 6-3 points and one game in hand, they make it five wins out of five with a thrilling 3-2 win over Besiktas. And now they take, I mean, during the game, they took the lead three times and they are still table leaders with one game in hand. Behind them at 61 points, Galatasaray, Fenerbahce as 58 and 18th. Bajak Shahir, the revelation of last year, they are still in the drop zone. Yeah, it's not looking good for them, right? I, you'd think they probably have enough to survive, but it's going to be a tense end to the season. As for the title race, yeah, Fenerbahce, this Ozil signing really hasn't worked out for them, has it? And everything's kind of fading away. But I think there's still a bit of a title race there. Galatasaray will be hanging around. We will be keeping an eye on Turkey. It'd be quite nice for Besiktas to win it. I think they've not won it for a few years, so... Be nice to have someone break it up, right? Yeah, Liaic plays for them. Vida, the Croatian defender. So yeah, there are there are a few names that I wouldn't mind seeing lifting the Turkish trophy, of which I ignore the name big <laughs> time. It's probably a very long and complicated word. But Rory, where do you want to go next? Should we go France, Germany? Let's go to France. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of these transitions, by the way. We'll come with time, people. Once I get lightning fingers, we will be ready. I can't even see France. Let's go. League and review. I got the right one. There we go. I'm getting myself confused. There we go. All these beautiful transitions have the signature of Rory Criscuolo, a newborn video maker, apparently, in the Twitch community. Yeah, pretty rusty. I'm not going to give myself that name yet, but gradually we're getting there. I feel like I'm in France. I don't know about you, Tommy. Yeah, I definitely do. And in France, there was a bit of a crazy weekend with nobody really taking advantage of their opposition. Am I correct? Well, yeah, and it was the, the story off the pitch is kind of stealing the story on the pitch. So I don't know if you saw this, Tommy, but during the PSG game, um, Di Maria's family, now this is horrific, Di Maria and Marquinhos' family were kidnapped and held at gunpoint while their houses were robbed. So yeah. Di Maria had to be taken off and just uh, just after the second half, I think. Um, so obviously the performance kind of all falls into insignificance after this, but I find it quite interesting that just in the time that they were at PSG, this has happened to 
Sergio Rico, Icardi, Thiago Silva, and Chupo Moting. It all happened to them while they played in Paris as well. So this is a big problem in the city and for the club. Um, but obviously, we hope that everything's okay with uh, Di Maria and Marquinhos' family. We hope they're all safe and that the police kind of get it sorted. But we're going to try and focus on the football. I'm, I'm sorry, but guys, can you get like security? I mean, you guys make pretty good money. If you see that this is the trend in Paris, just get three or four like buff dudes standing on so your door. So 24 hour security or just no, when you're I mean, playing during, or during, like during the games, during the games, man. That'll yeah, be, it's, a, it's an intense one. I think I'm not going to like, I don't know. It's a strange one. I think you'd like to think that in a city you'd be safe, but. Yeah, but if it happens over and over, then I think that, I mean, you need to take measures against that. You can't always hope that things will go right. And as you said, this is not the first time that I hear it about players in Paris. So it seems to be an ongoing problem there. It's a big problem. And I think it's something that could potentially put players off going there if it happens too many more times, if you know what I mean. Um, but, but yeah, this, but let's talk about the football. Let's stick to the football where you're right. The top three all dropped points. So we started the weekend um, where Lille drew nil nil. No, Lille drew 1 1. <laughs> right. We started the weekend where Leon <laughs> drew 1 1 with Reims. They were then kind of. Shooting like kicking themselves, thinking that they'd really given up the chance to take it to take ground on PSG. Leon only equalized in the 92nd minute, and this has really been a trend of their season one coming back from behind and two scoring late goals. So they managed to rescue a point against Reem, at which point Monaco and Leal then drew nil nil. So again, Leal not able to take advantage of Leon dropping points, they were kicking themselves. Until the last game of the weekend, which is the headline, where Nantes won in Paris for the first time since 2002. They're beating PSG 2-1, and it was really uncharacteristic. The first goal came from an Mbappe back pass, just straight to the striker. Um, he just ran in to score. And the second goal was from a lost, um, a lost possession in midfield as well. Now, obviously, the news that's come out, we've since realized that Pochettino said at halftime we were talking about things other than football. But he said there's still no excuse. It was an awful um, performance and we've let ourselves down. This is huge. Nantes, who hadn't won a game in forever, right? Raymond Dominic, we've talked about him enough. But their new manager now has more wins than their last two managers (laughs) Um, with his one win. So... Things are looking up for Nantes, and they've now kind of given themselves a bit of a boost. They are now only one point away from relegation. They're in 18th with Lorient on 28, and Saint-Étienne kind of getting dragged into it on 33. But Nantes have really given themselves a push, especially, as we said last week, the teams around them were the teams playing the teams at the top, right? So Reims are battling with them against relegation. So... All this kind of really helped them out. And what a huge win. What a huge win. I love when this happens, when the when the small boys, you know, the minnows and the giants, as you taught me, Rory. Um, exactly. And when it happens in the league, I, it's it's as exciting as when it happens in, like, kick-out game, kick games in, like, Europe, you know, um, to see the small boys traveling to Paris and winning away. What a key win. Yeah, that's kind of huge. 
That was the big result in France. Elsewhere, we told you to keep an eye on Lons Mets, and it did not disappoint. 2-2 in a goal fest, and a few players there really standing out. The delaying goal, the the final equaliser to make it 2-2 for Mets, is an absolute beauty of a goal. And the other headline is Sam Pauli is off to a flyer at Marseille, which, I'm sorry, I am fully behind Sam Pauli at Marseille. I'm loving how it feels, how it looks. I think it's how great, it looks especially right. right. <laughs> well, and, I think I think we said it last uh, last time on the pod. If a character is perfect for a club, it might be him at Marseille. Exactly, and there is a rumor now. You know, he's Chilean. He knows all Chilean players. There is a rumor going on about him wanting to sign Vidal for next season, and I cannot see a better fit. Than Can you imagine Vidal, that mohawk Vidal and that shirt? It's made to be together. To, towards the end of his career, going to Marseille, he finds San Paoli again. I think that could be a match made in heaven or in hell, according to how you look at it. <laughs> Can you imagine how much the Marseille fans would love Vidal? Oh, you can see it already. They would absolutely love it. 100%. They would absolutely love it. So, San Paoli has now won two in a row. They beat Brest, lol, 3-1. Milik, mate, I have to, I'm sorry. Uh, Milik now has four goals in seven games. Tovan getting his goal in the 88th and Cuisance adding a 93rd to secure the win. It puts them back on level terms for fifth place. So Marseille could be making a push for European football when we really thought that they were out of it. So San Paoli is getting a hell of a start at life in Marseille. And Steve Cole has just said, Vidal will just get red cards. You're correct. That's all he will do, and people will love him for it. Yeah, 100%. I feel like in Marseille, that would be the right, really the, the right fit for yet another great fit for Vidal. And now, so PSG are level on points with Lyon, and Lille are leading by three points. Yeah, it's looking really, really interesting up there. Lille, like, could Lille do it? Like they're they're the one dog. of the teams that the always have. They always have like the the kind of the good players come through Lille, right? Like everybody buys players off them, so maybe they've got a crop that has stuck together just long enough to get a title push. PSG are going to be hungry though, although I think they might be a bit distracted by the Champions League. Do you think they care more about the Champions League this year? I I have no idea. Uh, I don't know, but it's definitely interesting. It makes for an interesting watch. We thought that at a point that the league uh, was almost over, but then these, all this is happening and it's actually quite exciting that we're doing the podcast this year. It, it's actually pushing me to watch more of the foreign leagues that I would mm, normally definitely. watch. And it's a lot of fun to see how the end is approaching, but so many leagues are still up for debate. Yeah, there's a lot of title races. Speaking of which, should we jump to another title race now, Tommy? Let's go to La Liga. Well, in La Liga, I Wait. Can't... Oh, I nearly got it. I nearly got it in time. Wait, I just need the logo now. Where is it? Wait, there we go, right. And here we are in La Liga, chicos. I would like to start from Sevilla Betis, 1-0. Most of our followers and ourselves too, we did not see Sevilla winning this game. But guess what? They do with a beautiful, beautiful goal from Ananasri from 
I mean, two yards from the byline. He mm-hmm. managed the way to squeeze it in among the defenders to make it 1-0 at the 27th minute. There was a bit of a fight, but it wasn't a very intense game. It was open, but not super intense. But I would like to talk for a second about Anna Nisri. Now, I apologize about the pronunciation of your name, buddy, but his stats are looking pretty incredible. He's a 23-year-old Moroccan who uh, got to Sevilla from Liganes in January 2020. So last year, he had goals. He had got four goals in 18 La Liga games and two Europa League goals. This year, he's already got 14 goals in 26 La Liga games and six in eight Champions League games, two of which came in the last game against Dortmund just last week. So I think it's worth keeping an eye on this guy. And just thinking about Morocco, also Sevilla's goalkeeper keeps performing at very high levels. Mm. And his name is Yassine Bounou. He's also Moroccan. And this makes me think, I need to do a little more research about it. But it looks like Morocco are going to have a pretty intense squad once the World Cup comes around. I'm thinking of Hakimi as well. For Well, Angela yeah, Lam. exactly. They've got Hakimi as well. It's weird because the the kind of North African countries now, Algeria, have got a really good team coming together. Like, yeah, Morocco, Egypt are starting to have a bit of a rise again. So it could be interesting to see some North African teams that can challenge. Uh, Algeria, of course, winning the last um, African Cup of Nations. So maybe, yeah, Morocco could have a frightening team. They're always one of those like banana skin teams in the World Cup, aren't they? Where you're like, if you draw them, you're like, oh, that's not going to be an easy one. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it feels like they've got a good generation of young players. And so despite their bad recent form, loss, 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 draw, win, Sevilla have still got one game in hand, which they're going to play this Wednesday against Elche at home. And if they win, they will be two points below Barca and nine points above Real Sociedad, which would mean pretty much securing, pretty much securing the Champions League for next year. We shall see. It was kind of interesting to see where they are on the table because recently they have not been performing. But the other game that made the headlines, unfortunately, and we apologize to all the Atletico Madrid fan community. Yeah, you, we, we may, maybe we've been calling it a little too much, Roy. Things are getting a little scary. I No comment. I refuse no comment. to comment on it anymore. I refuse I to comment not. on it anymore. All I'm going to say is that Catafe have never scored against Atletico Madrid since Simeone took over. Ooh. Stat. Yeah, look at that. It's insane. But while we're in the Liga, that. it's almost as if Lionel is listening. He has just put Barcelona 1-0 up against Huesca. So Lionel smashing him in. Yeah, with an assist from Sergio Busquets. We they've emailed us plenty of times before telling us that they love our pod and they yeah. were trying to play games with like skin-colored AirPods so that the manager wouldn't see them, but they are fueled by our Monday night talk. Yeah, I don't know. If we keep asking that. for some startup cash, but they're tight bastards. They won't give us any. Yeah, that's incredible. But Getafe Atletico, nil-nil, while Real Madrid, Elche, 2-1. And if, if it feels like Messi is listening to us, I feel like Benzema might have taken a look at our Instagram page where I was hyping him up and saying that, in my opinion... He's up there with Suarez and Lewandowski in the conversation of the best strikers in Europe. Real Madrid were down 1-0 at the 64th minute. Guess who decided 
to start a comeback. It was Karim Benzema, the man himself. The first goal came through a beautiful old-school assist from uh, Luka Modric. And the second goal, Vinicius gave him a beautiful ball. But actually, he was looking for a give-and-go. And Benzema just, like, controls it. The ball bounces. And then he's like, just let me half-volley it on the top corner. And so it did. 2-1 for Real Madrid in extra time. Real Madrid, who've also got Ramos back. And he almost cost them a penalty at the beginning of Ooh. the game. It was a VAR check. It wasn't a penalty in the end. But this puts Real Madrid, again, only six points behind Atletico. And, in my opinion, it would be kind of hilarious if Real Madrid won the title this year. Like, oh, you've I just said it now. Like, honestly, oh, Tommy, what are you doing? But it does, six points looks so small now, considering it was like 10 points before, right? Ten yeah, po- I think they were up to a 10-point like, lead. Yeah, it's yeah, six yeah. is looking so doable and so nothing. <laughs> it looks like nothing now, and it is worrying. Chris agrees with you. I agree, Benzema is underrated. I think, genuinely, I don't realize how good he is just because I do hold it against him, how terrible a person he is. But his football skills are definitely, definitely underrated. He's, and he's been at Real forever, right? He's yeah. uh, must be over yeah. 10 years now he's been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually got signed the same year as Cristiano Ronaldo, so the summer of 2009, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, okay. Yeah, so just over 10 years. Man, that's a big summer for Real, isn't it? Benzema and Ronaldo. That's not bad at all. And if I'm not mistaken, Ozil as well, that same summer. And Xabi Alonso, but I I will have to double-check. But that summer, Real Madrid really turned it around. But the last game that I want to talk about, Granada, Real Sociedad 1-0. Now, I have never watched the Granada game, but I'm going to. They're a very interesting club. That deserves a shout, in my opinion, because they yeah. came up from Segunda División in 2019-2020. And the first season that they were in La Liga ever since being relegated, they finished the seventh last year. Mm-hmm. They are now in the Europa League. They won last week 2-0, so they've got a foot already in the quarterfinals. In the, no, in the round of 16? No. You know, in the quarterfinals next. Yeah, yeah. In the quarterfinals. And they are currently eighth in La Liga, only six points from Europa League. Now, I will have to watch one of their games. I kind of looked up online. Their top goal scorers are Soldado and Tottenham fans remember him. You remember Soldado. (laughs) And then another Luis Suarez, but this time he's a Colombian guy. They both have five goals in La Liga, and Jorge Molina has got four. Now, both Molina and Soldado scored last week. And I don't know, it feels like a very interesting hipster club, maybe, that deserves a, deserves a peek through while you're watching your Sunday football next weekend. Well, we can try and get the down low from Pete. You remember Pete? He lives in Granada. Um, so, nice. yeah, they're always a team that I keep an eye on. They have done incredibly well since coming up to um, La Liga. And yeah, like really well supported club as well. It's a big city, beautiful city, Granada as well. Like I would love right. to go and watch a game there. Would One love of the to best go watch sunsets I've ever seen in my life was in Granada with the beautiful Alhambra, the Arab built uh, mosque and the kind of uh, beautiful fortress on top of the mountain. Yeah, a little bit of history. But there we I- go. We don't just do football, we do tourist yeah. facts. We are teachers, guys. You see? So, Rory, should we take a plane and move to Berlin? Berlin. Let me get it ready. Berlin. You ready for some umpa music? Where is it? 
I'm getting slower. I'm going to blame the beer. Right, here we go. And we are in Deutschland, in Germany. And it was an interesting weekend. A few things went to plan. Lewandowski broke another record, obviously. He is now level with Klaus Fischer, the um, ex-Schalke striker, on 268 Bundesliga goals. Schalke could definitely do with someone like that at the moment, but we will get on to them. Um, Bayern beat Werder Bremen 3-1 away. Lewandowski obviously scoring. Goretzka and Gnabry getting the other two. But Thomas Muller got two assists, and the assist for the second was unbelievable. He was surrounded by like six (laughs) Werder Bremen players. I think it's Goretzka loops the ball in. And on the volley, Muller just passes it right in the gap between like three defenders straight for Gnabry to knock it in. It was a beautiful assist. Beautiful Man, assist. That was beautiful. Uh, after you told me about it, I looked it up on YouTube and it was, wow, it was pretty as hell. And it's it's difficult to kind of give that, sh- that soft power to the ball when mm. it's coming down that speed. So yeah, that was a beautiful, beautiful assist. It was it was great seeing. I think it's a side of the a side of Thomas Muller's game you don't often think about. I think obviously he's a great goal scorer, but quite often we forget that he is really good at build up play. And there's a reason why. Again, talking of underrated strikers, I think Muller is massively underrated. But all of the plaudits obviously goes to Lewandowski. He is still some way off the off um, Gerd Muller's record. So Gerd Muller's record is three hundred and sixty five, but. What's he got? A hundred, just under a hundred to make up, and he's already on thirty-two goals this season. So give Lewandowski two more seasons, he could probably catch that record, maybe. And one thing about Müller, I think that he's kind of underrated as a striker because he plays in a weird position. Like mm-hmm. Müller plays Müller, like it's a it's a type of position that is kind of tailored on him. And it's neither a striker, nor a forward, nor a midfielder. He created his own way of playing. And I feel like he's been delivering since forever. Like, Müller has got has has been there for, I don't know, how many His years? whole career, right? Yeah, his whole career. Like, 50, like 20 years, maybe? That's incredible, yeah. Yeah, the guy is an absolute machine. And you're right, he has his own position. I believe they call it a Raumdeuter, but I might be wrong, which means like a room invader, I think. I, I, I that's think that's the, a great definition, yeah. That's the position on football manager. That's all I know. I think that's the Muller position. Um, and yeah, you're right. There's no other striker that's really like him. And Bayern just look like they're not going to stop. They are not going to stop. And unfortunately... For title race news, um, RB Leipzig dropped points, drawing one all with Frankfurt. And Emil Forsberg's goal is a really weird one because it was a great shot. I can't remember who took the shot, but the keeper parried it. And then Forsberg just runs in and just taps it top corner. Beautiful finish. Um, But that was to take the lead. Frankfurt got an equalizer later on and Leipzig did drop points. So this now leaves Bayern six no four points my math is terrible sorry four points ahead of Leipzig and maybe they're starting to pull away what do we think I don't know man I think it's intimidating to have a a title race with Bayern Munich Um, and uh, I don't know I think it's uh, you have to be Bayern Munich have been doing this have been performing year in and year out and if you want to really 
be up there with them, I think it has to be the season of your lifetime where mm-hmm. everything goes your way. Because otherwise, it's very difficult to snatch a title from them unless they're going through a bad period. But this is definitely not the case. Would you say? Yeah, this is not the case, unfortunately. Sorry, we are going to talk about the Champions League after, but top three favorites for the Champions League this year? Who would you think? Bayern, City. Inter Milan. (laughs) You've still got a chance, eh? Um, You've got as much of a chance as Juve, so that probably puts a smile on your face. Um, I don't know. I can't really see beyond those two. Um, You see, it's Liverpool, if they manage to get a run. I don't know. I don't know. Atalanta. We got a shout of Atalanta from Steve. Let's say Liverpool because Chris is watching. Come on. Yeah, he will. I don't know if the laughing emoji is to my comment of Liverpool or just in general, but yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'll take it. Um, What else did we have in the Bundesliga, Rory? Elsewhere, we're going down. So first, second, RB Leipzig. Third, we have Wolfsburg, who absolutely battered Schalke 5-0. And they've just signed a striker from Arsenal. Do you remember who it is, Tommy? No. Well, they signed two. They signed Kalasinac and Mustafi. And Mustafi was at fault for two of the goals. And striker? (laughs) The first one was an own goal. Just classic Mustafi header. Doesn't need to head it and just knocks it past his own keeper. And then I think it's the second or third goal. He's pissing about on the ball. The striker just runs behind him, steals the ball, knocks it onto someone else. They knock it in. Mustafi is doing Mustafi things in Germany. It turns out it wasn't the coaching. He's just not very good. But so I think I was saying to Mike at the weekend, Mustafi, I don't even like dislike him. I just feel a bit sorry for him. I'm just like, oh, Mustafi. He wasn't supposed to be a footballer. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, come on. You can do better than this, mate. You won the World Cup once. Like, you know, come what on. I think I mean, Schalke gave away arguably their best defender in Kabak to Liverpool and Kulazinic from Arsenal. What kind of transfer window is that, boy? Well, I was watching a video recently on um, Schalke. Uh, it's on the channel HITC. It's really good. And it's what the hell's going on at Schalke. And they're just giving away everybody at the minute. Goretzka and Max Meyer were their two best players. They gave them away on a free. It, the whole thing is an absolute mess. I feel You're bad right, for their fans. For them, yeah? Sorry? Leroy Sané was a Schalke player too. Yeah, yeah, mate. Özil, Neuer, like all the decent German players you can think of, they all came through the Schalke youth system. It's insane. But whereas in the past they would make a massive profit on them, now they're just the players are just waiting for the contracts to run out. And yeah, Steve has just said Schalke are in massive debt. The board do not want to be paying it off like the company that owns them. Um no, they're, they're entirely owned by fans, aren't they? It's a complete mess there. They currently have 10 points. So that could be a record-breaking low in any European league. I'd have to have a look. It's definitely worse than Derby in the Premier League. So, oh, Schalke, I'm sorry. We keep laughing at you. But honestly, some of the defending in this game was an absolute joke as well. Wolfsburg were just walking through them. It was insane. Staying in the Bundesliga, I kind of want my money back because I did watch parts of the Dortmund Hertha game and Alan didn't score. What the fuck? Where is my why? Why? <laughs> but Julian Brandt scored a goal that I had to double check and go, was that Holland? I had to check if it was. The blonde hair threw me. What a hit. But the goalkeeper absolutely fucks it, right? Yeah, I, I, he does this weird like 
trying to shuffle it round. It was so bad. Yeah, I yeah, I I feel like I've done a few of those when I was playing as a goalkeeper with my friends. Yeah, not the easiest position, but that one was definitely a very very bad effort from the goalkeeper. And uh, Mukoko scores uh, his first goal at home in the 91st minute. And you pointed out the average squad age was 24.9 years for Borussia Dortmund. It's going to be one of the youngest teams in Europe. When you think that they had a 16-year-old and a 17-year-old playing in their team, and one of them was running midfield, Jude Bellingham, and the other one gets a goal. Like, it is insane. I love this youth project they've got going on. I think this is a good, like, we keep changing our opinion on Dortmund from, like, they're having a terrible season to, like, actually it's going okay. The manager they're in charge, uh, who's in charge now, is really starting to put a run of, uh, run of fixtures together. And I think this season could be seen as a building block season where they went, oh, we needed that season where we didn't really do much, but it got all the players enough experience in the league for them to build on for next year. If you've got Jude Bellingham at 17, who's already got a full Bundesliga season under his belt, imagine what he can do next year. If you know what I mean, it's all vital experience for these players. Agreed. Agreed. Where should we go next, Rory? I feel like it's time for my home country because we have a bunch of discussion to do about the Premier League. Let's Let's do stereotypical Italian music. Oh, I nearly got it all. Oh, Wait, on the background. Yes, go on. It doesn't get much more stereotypical than that. We are in Serie A where... Look at this beautiful jersey. Da, 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 da. Inter Milan win against Turin. And thanks to AC Milan's loss, oh, they are nine points clear at the top. Still waiting for the black and white Sharks to play their fucking game in hand so we can know if they are below 10 points, seven or nine, I guess. But... We can have- almost taste it. We can almost taste it. We kind oh of got God. ourselves carried away yesterday on Sunday. We, we were all gathered at Tommy's yesterday to watch Inter and the North London Derby. And we all kind of got a bit carried away talking about what's going to be happening in Duomo. I think we kind of, we can taste it. We can taste it. It's tasteable. I don't know, man. These beautiful spring days that we have been blessed with, mm. they just scream scudetto from all over the place but i have to say that the torino inter game now i was thinking about it today i watched a few inter youtubers talking about it and in the end my takeaway it was you know it was like a a school project a group project at school that you know it wasn't an a it wasn't a b but it in the end, you know, like they made it. And in the end, if you look at the overall performance, you deserve a pass. Not mm-hmm. an A maybe, but you deserve a little B. So some players played worse than others. Some others played better. Played better. The overall game was a little scrappy. So Torino, Udinese in the Serie A, they are these teams that are fighting for one point. I think this is one of the main differences between Serie A and the Premier League. I feel like in the Prem, every team is playing for the three points. In Serie A, there are some teams that are clearly looking to get one point out Mm -hmm. of the game. Torino was one of those teams that are in big-time dire straits. They're sitting 18th. They've got 20 points, even though two games in hand, but are looking bad. So they're not definitely going to push all the time and open up and allow Inter for a counterattack. They are the team that is going to defend quite a bit. I think they played a very good game. Inter Milan found the lead 
thanks to a Lukaku penalty. It was definitely a penalty, no doubt about that. Torino equalized. It was a bit of a scramble in the Inter's penalty box. I think De Vrij kind of took down Barella. There were four players mm. on the ground. It was a goal. I was happy to see that it was a goal, despite it being the small team against the bigger team. They review it. Still a goal. 1-1. But then, man, this game was won by like individual class from Lautaro Martinez. Now, the guy is not that tall. And finding the power to jump that high as you're falling backwards and power your headbutt like straight forward to the second post. That was a beautiful goal. And I don't want to jinx it, but these are the types of goals that win you a league. This is the type of goal that we were 1-1. AC Milan and Juventus were kind of watching, hoping for us to fall. But then uh, Lautaro Martinez makes it, makes it a win. So Chris says, I watched the first half and I didn't think Inter played well, but sometimes you just get the win. I agree with you. We weren't playing well, Chris, but we weren't playing badly either. Besides uh, Torino getting the post off that corner kick, we didn't really risk anything. Besides that and the goal, like two plays in 90 minutes, I'll take it. Inter Milan in the end, come back as better, come out as the better side. Great win. Even better considering the AC Milan result. Now, last night, we had quite a few beers yesterday during the games. And last night, as soon as people left my house, I kind of went to my bed and I kind of fell asleep on my bed instantly. And when I woke up this morning, I was like, oh my God, wait, AC Milan, Napoli, was that a dream? Was that reality? They were losing (laughs) 1-0. I opened the score sheet, 1-0, yes. So, Plus nine lead over AC Milan, plus 10 over Juventus, but they have a game in hand. But today, upon reviewing the AC Milan game, there were quite a few controversial decisions. Now, there was a red card on Napoli's Di Lorenzo at the 69th minute for a foul on Teo Hernandez, but it was only given a yellow. Then there was a penalty on Teo Hernandez, and uh, there is this pretty good page on Instagram, Errori Arbitrali, Referee Mistakes. It's an Italian page. They got 100,000 followers, and uh, they kind of review plays, and they, they, they copy and paste like what the rules say and everything. And uh, yeah, that was definitely a penalty on Teo Hernandez. But then, at the same time, one minute later, that should have been a red card on Teo Hernandez for a very bad tackle on Ozman. Now, besides these three events, I think that the AC Milan squad is kind of depleted by injuries. We know that Ibrahimovic isn't playing. Romagnoli wasn't playing last night. Chiara wasn't playing. They've got a whole lot of players ruled, um, ruled out. But... I have to say that their performance was very, very poor. Napoli deserved the win. They take it thanks to a Politano goal. You will remember, ex-Inter player. So that feels all the better. Beautiful game. A beautiful win for Napoli and Gattuso, who are now fifth with one game in hand. And they could go one point over Atalanta if they only beat Juventus. But... I uh, I will kindly invite all of our listeners and viewers to check out the Italian league table because the fight for Champions League is on. So besides Inter Milan, Juventus, AC Milan, Roma, Napoli, Atalanta, they are all, Lazio even, they're all looking for a spot in the Champions League and it's going to be a dog fight. 
moving on. Yeah, it's looking. I, I feel like sorry. I feel like most years in Italy, the European fight does is always quite close. There's always a few teams by the end of the season that could still sneak their way in there, and it's good to see that the the competition is still healthy. I think um, a few 100%. teams definitely sniffing about, including Sassuolo. Sassuolo, man, I said it. I was releasing to the pod today just to give ourselves one more download. No, I was releasing to like uh, find some quotes, but I did say that Sassuolo Verona would be the game for the football hipsters that love attacking football, up and coming teams. It was a fight. Sassuolo win 3 2 over Verona. Go so Serie A, they do these brilliant highlights. They're only four minutes and four mm-hmm. seconds for some reason. This is the format four minutes and four seconds, or four minutes and 14 seconds. But okay, around there, you watch all the highlights. This was a super, super fun game. Each goal was worth watching, but of course, my favorite was from Federico Di Marco. Man, this guy, <laughs> this guy is a fucking left back, but hey, give him a ball to volley in the net. He that will- was a Hell of a hit as well. He hit it so sweet. He hit it so sweet. Not super powerful because I think that by now he's got the confidence to be like, if I hit it like this, there is no way he's going to save it. And so Mm -hmm. he just like looked for the angle rather than the power. That was a beautiful goal. Atalanta Spezia, another very good game. Brilliant match by Pazalic. He used player AC Milan. He then Atalanta purchased them and he's been delivering for them. And the Muriel goal, oh, my God. In Italian, we say togliere le ragnatele dal sette to remove the spider webs nice. from the crossbar and the post. You know, when they hit it so sweet that it removes like that one spider web. Man, that goal by Muriel, he just goes around the ball, doesn't even look up, you know, where this is going to go. And it's top bins. Great for me and my fantasy football team. But another, t- another game that was worth watching at least for one player alone, Benevento Fiorentina, one for Vlaovic, 21-year-old from Serbia, the beast of Belgrade, they call him. <laughs> it sounds like a serial killer. So a perfect hat-trick in the first half, and he's the only Fiorentina player to score a halftime hat-trick since the 1960s. Not even Baggio has ever done that. Now, Not even Batigol. Not even body goal. Now, the first goal was sweet. The second goal was sweeter. But the third goal, he had no right to shoot from that distance. That was a Holland-type goal. Yeah, you see, Steve knows. That was quality. That was like Holland, man. Kind of like dribbles two defenders and then just top bins. Did you see that, Rory? I did. Absolute hit. I was watching it because I wanted to see if Dragovsky... Poor non subitong goal, but unfortunately, <laughs> no. He poor subitong goal, um, yeah, and he still managed to concede one because if there's one thing I've learned from this year's Serie A season, it's like Fiorentina cannot keep a clean sheet. But Vlavic was unbelievable. I've never really heard that much about him, and then that was like my first introduction to him, and I was like, "Holy crap! Who the hell's this guy? How are Fiorentina in trouble if they've got this guy?" Ribery was running through the fucking Benevento defense at will as well. They looked like Benevento looked really poor. Fiorentina looked fierce. Granted, they've been struggling this year and against a kind of lesser team, you'd expect them to do better, but a hell of a performance. And I just really want Prandelli to do well. I really want Prandelli to do well. 
Yeah, Prandelli is a nice man. Um, we'll see what he does with Fiorentina. But looking in hindsight, Vlaovic was a hell of a purchase from Fiorentina back in 2019 when they got him for 2 million euros. Oof. They made him grow in their youth system. Right now he's a starter. He scored the six goals in 30 games last year. And he's already at 12 in 26 this year. There were, I mean, there is a lot to talk about, and it feels like we don't have enough time. But Parma Roma, 2 0, Roma, Roma, Roma. What can I what say? What is going on in Rome? I mean, the usual is going on in Rome. Just like find some fucking stamina. Parma are not a good team, and you managed to lose 2 0. It was a very poor performance from Roma. There were a few chances, but they never quite had the grit. And Parma, in the end, they, they, they won, and they didn't do it so convincingly but they did snatch three points that for them it's like really a breath of fresh air Lazio Crotone on Friday at 3 p.m for some reason was another great game now Simi for Crotone scored the goal con la puntazza we say in Italian with the point of his foot not even like you know you usually shoot with the side of your foot he just hammers it in from outside the box with the point of his foot but then 2-2, and it's Caicedo time again, the man who loves to score. He's at the always last there. He's always there. And this goal was class, kind of a volley too for Caicedo. And finally, the last game that I want to talk about very quickly before we jump to the Prem, Cagliari-Juventus 1-3. Now, at the 14th minute, there was a red card. Man, anybody would have said that there was a red card against Cristiano mm-hmm. Ronaldo. He chipped the chin of Cagliari's goalkeeper, Cragno. Like, for the rest of the game, he didn't have skin on his chin. And after after the foul, I went re-watching it now, the referee kind of goes talking to Cristiano Ronaldo, and they're kind of smiling and giggling, and he's like, I'll give you a yellow. And Cristiano Ronaldo is just like, oh, I'll take a yellow. And it feels like there is always this bias in, it- in Italy with Cristiano Ronaldo, like... It's not a player that you can give a red card to like that. You kind of like need to have a chat with him. Oh, yeah, it's all fun and giggles. I'll give you a yellow. That was a red card on Cristiano Ronaldo. Even the page that I'm following on Instagram, Errore Arbitrali, said that that was a red card. <laughs> Nevertheless, Cristiano Ronaldo takes major chips off his shoulder. But, man, like, what a fucking prick. Like, if you're so good <laughs> and you score a perfect first-half hat-trick against Cagliari and that the third goal you go in front of the camera and you go like... I can't hear the critics. Why don't you fucking do that against Porto in the Champions League, buddy? Exactly. No one gives a shit now, mate. You're already out of the Champions League. It's too late. Like, you can't pull that back. You didn't even go to the mics to speak in the name of your team. Like, just say something, you know? And after that game against Porto, like, his Instagram account was just like, I hear a lot of people, like, talking about me. Like, I know all the hard work. Man, usually when a player gets out of the Champions League, oh, 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 one goal by Liverpool? Who scored? Well, Barcelona are up. Diogo Jota. Chris is keeping us in charge. Keeping us informed. 1-0 LFC. Jota, get the fuck in. Or fuck in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck in. So, Chris is telling us that Liverpool are 1-0 up against Wolves. At the same time, Barcelona are 2-0 up against Wesca, thanks to a Griezmann goal. Check out our Instagram page because... You know, if you're listening to us, I was praising Griezmann last week, and now they scored. But yeah, and you know what's happening with Griezmann? Getting linked to Arsenal, mate. It looks like I Arsenal think, might be after him. I think that would be great for Arsenal. Rory, can you I'm imagine? Dying, oh my god, I'm dying of thirst. I need to get some water. I let you jump to the Premier League. We are done in the Serie. A. Just crossing my fingers that 
Juventus don't come back from their 10-point deficit. Let's go to Blighty. And we are in London. You can just see the Emirates in the background there with Highbury in the foreground. And I I am very excited to talk about this weekend, as everyone can imagine. And we're only going to start in one place. It was North London. And this is a result that I just did not expect. I woke up on Sunday morning that typical derby day, pit of your stomach, mix of fear and excitement. And I thought, we're going to get rolled over at home. It's going to be embarrassing. Kane's going to get one. Bale's going to get one. Son's going to get one. But thankfully for us, none of them fucking turned up. We turned up and we had arguably our performance of the season bar the last 10 minutes when we did our best to throw it away. We really did our best to throw it away. They had 10 men. We just gave them the ball. But for that 80 minutes, Tottenham did not get close. Of course, we won 2-1. I'm going to try and be respectful and say, okay, let's mention the Lamella goal, right? That Lamella goal is an absolute madness. That is going to be one of the best goals ever scored in the North London Derby, I believe. But the funny thing about it is that now it has an asterisk next to it of Lamella then got sent off and they then lost the game. So even that incredible goal for Tottenham... You can't really enjoy it. Enjoy it. Release the DVD that you're going to release of that goal, but you can't really enjoy it. Wow. When that goal went in, I honestly thought, oh, fuck, this is not our day. This is not our day. We'd absolutely hammered them, like hammered them, hit the bows twice, hit the crossbar. I thought, this is going to be so Arsenal. We'll lose 1-0 despite being all over him. But thankfully, Erdegaard, who I am very quickly falling in love with, very quickly. What a player, man. Man, he's unreal. He's unreal. At a moment, I was looking at Arsenal's like plays up front. And I mean, he was more of a forward than Lacazette was for the majority of the game. Like the guy loves mm. running in space big time. He loves that forward run towards goal big time. I found it really interesting because Lacazette is used as that kind of false nine and kind of links play and just lets the others run past him. And I found it really interesting watching him and Odegaard play together. But what I love about Odegaard is his intelligence on the ball, his pa- his eye for a pass. There was one touch where he took it past a Spurs defender and it was like kind of through his own leg and the defender's legs. Really silky player. I think he's really starting to find his feet in the Premier League and at Arsenal. I'm not convinced he'll be with us long term, but based on recent form, I would be pretty happy if he was. But... What a performance. Just what? I I did not expect this at all. And then the second goal comes from a Lacazette penalty. So let's talk about the penalty, right? No, I was just thinking that maybe Odegaard can convince Alan to come to Arsenal, right? Oh, we can get that Norwegian thing going. He's the first Norwegian to ever score for Arsenal. I think maybe play for as well. I'm not sure. Maybe we could get a contingency. Oh, who knows? Who knows? The the possibilities are endless because we've won the North London derby. Everything's good again. Messi wants to come to, to, to Arsenal big time. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about in the penalty review, Roy? Well, the thing is, in England, everybody is insisting... Now, guys that are listening, I would be intrigued to hear your thoughts on whether this was a penalty or not. I was pretty certain it was a penalty. I thought it was fairly stonewall. But I 
Everybody on TV has been going mad saying it's not a penalty, including Jermaine Jenis. Do you know Jermaine Jenis, Tommy? No idea who he is. He used to play for Tottenham and fucking hates Arsenal, right? And he was on the match of the day coverage, um, and he had to talk about that. And I've never seen a grown man on TV be less dignified in a loss and be so close to crying on national TV. It was awful. He could not give Arsenal a thing. He was like, nope, they didn't deserve it. Nope, Tottenham, meh, that wasn't a penalty. They cheated. VAR should be gone. Meh. It was awful to watch slash hilarious. It just made it so... I was like... I watched it before class this morning at like 8 o'clock. I was like, oh, let's stick this on. What a way to start the day. Um, but everyone's been saying it's not a penalty because he'd taken... Lacazette had taken the shot and it had gone off target. And then Sanchez hit him, right? But what confused me, and I'm not comparing the incidents directly, but when Pickford took out Van Dyke, right, everyone said that should have been a penalty despite the fact that the ball was out of play. Now, the Davinson Sanchez tackle wasn't a dangerous tackle, but it was a reckless tackle. And I don't get the, di- I don't see the difference. People were calling for action after the Van Dyke one, but for this one, this doesn't count. Uh, so I think this isn't even inconsistency in VAR. I think this is just people, people's opinions being inconsistent. We had an argument with the, well, an argument. There was a discussion on the group with the American boys and they were saying it's not a penalty. I was like, I'm sorry, if Harry Kane goes down for that, you are calling for a penalty. There's no way that Mourinho in the post-match is not saying that should have been a penalty. I'm not having it. Like, and he came out, first thing he did, ask the, ask the referee what happened. Completely defect, deflecting from the fact that his side were shite for 80 minutes. Like, it's ridiculous. And the last bit of my rant, Harry Kane at some point needs to be punished for the shit he is getting away with on the pitch. Because we've already seen that he loves throwing his back into players that are in midair. And yesterday he came about 30 seconds after the Gabriella got off the ball, flew into him, elbow in the jaw, completely wiped him out. Nobody is talking about it. It wasn't on Sky Sports. It wasn't on Match of the Day. If that was Lacazette who did that, if that was Xhaka who did that, they would be calling for him to be banned. But because it's Harry Kane, you can't. And he's getting away with shit all the time i don't understand it i don't understand it i agree with you and also he's like besides the fact that it's against the rules of football but he's also a big guy and those kind of fouls they can cost somebody time off the pitch if not like like that thing that he does with his back when there are people me it's there, so bad one of the most dangerous things you can do in football if somebody falls badly from that like they can they can get seriously seriously injured i agree with you and the thing is, with, with sorry, with that Gabriel one, Gabriel didn't know he was coming. He didn't see him. So he's yeah. hitting basically a relaxed body at full pace. Like, he could have really fucking hurt him. But you could see that Spurs were pissed off. Lamella got sent off for an elbow. And two, the, the first tackle was a stupid tackle as well. Like, they were really wound up. They knew they didn't turn up on the day. If anybody has seen Gareth Bale, can you let his family know he's okay? Because... I don't know if anybody has seen him for the past 24 hours. Um, yeah, I've did. never seen a more relaxed out, uh, a more relaxed approach to defensive duties than Gareth Bale yesterday. But thank you, Gareth. We yeah. appreciate it. He was not really on the pitch. Before we move on, Wesca score a penalty with Mir. At the 49th minute, just before halftime, Barcelona-Wesca 2-1, Wolves-Liverpool 0-1. Let's move on. What do you want to talk about next, Rory? Tuchel, still undefeated, maybe? 
Yeah, let's go to Chelsea Leeds. Now, I kind of promised this game would have goals, but I think my promise kind of was delivered because for a nil-nil, this is one of the best nil-nils I've ever seen. It was proper end-to-end, full-pelt, attacking, aggressive, fast-paced football. It was beautiful to watch. The Both goalkeepers had a great game, um, Mendy and Melier. Now, Melier is, a, I think he's only 21. He's a very young goalkeeper, does have a mistake in him, but he did really well for Leeds. Mendy had probably, arguably, the save of the day from the Tyler Roberts looping shot that looked like it was, it was so beautiful. It looked like it was just dropping in, but Mendy managed to get back and get the slightest of touches to put it onto the crossbar. It was a very exciting game. And the one player that stood out for me in this game, mainly because he's been missing for the last few weeks, was Kelvin Phillips for Leeds. You can tell how important that guy is to Leeds. The second he's in the side, I just love how he wins the ball and his passes are always so direct, quick, like incisive passes that start an attack every single time. He is key to that lead side and I can't wait for him to get into the England team and see it and show what he can do because that guy is an exciting player. But for Tuchel, yeah, still unbeaten. He was kind of, they were fortunate that West Ham dropped points, Everton dropped points. So the teams around them haven't taken advantage. So he'll be quite happy with that, I imagine. Um, But for Leeds, they lost four in a row before this, I think. So it kind of steadies the ship a little bit and shows signs of promise for them because they were looking like they were going to start struggling. So they lost three of their last four before this. So maybe this point could give them a bit of a boost, but a great a great game to start the weekend. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, what happened to Everton, man? Everton now have got 10 defeats. Now, for an Ancelotti side, that's quite a lot of defeats. 10 defeats in one season? Eh. And I feel like there are more coming. Yeah, well, at home, they've only won five games at home all season. Those wins were against, I did quite cleverly note these down. One of them was Arsenal, because of course it was. But they've only beaten West Brom, Brighton, Chelsea, Arsenal and Southampton at home. So the Chelsea, Arsenal and Southampton results, you could argue, are impressive. But they should have more than five wins out of 14 at home. This is what is costing them that real push for European football. They just cannot put a string of results together. It's classic Everton. Even like every year when they kind of nearly get close to Europe, what costs them is their inconsistency. And Carlo is going to have to kind of take time to breathe this out of that team, I think. Chris made this point to me over the weekend as well. They only turn up for Liverpool games and then accidentally win other games. Um, I think we, we slightly disagreed on that point, but I'll take your point. Um, Chris, Chris, I got something to tell you. I was looking at the Premier League table right now and uh, Liverpool are, you are on, like Liverpool are on even points with Everton, but Everton have got a game in hand. How scared are you that Everton might finish above Liverpool this year? It has been a long time since that's happened as well. I think the Everton fans are pretty excited about it. But we have to mention Dwight McNeil's goal was an absolute beauty. This guy shows flashes every so often and you think, oh, there's a player there. And this was one where you thought, my God, if you can hit a few more of them a season, people are going to be looking at you. He's always dangerous, quick on the ball, great dribbler. 
what a strike. What a strike. And for once, it wasn't really Pickford's fault. There's nothing he could really do about it, I don't think. No, and those are the goals that you get scored against. And you saw, like, the Everton defenders just being like, fuck it. Like, whatever. Like, this is not even, like, you can't you can't be like, it's my fault, it's your fault. It's just a belter, and it's a belter. Yeah, Chris, I see you would be very upset if Everton finished over Liverpool this season. But then... City making it 3-0 against Fulham. With a complete reserve side. But I'm just going to give a quick mention, Hopeless Wanderer. Dwight is an underrated player. You are right. People should stop sleeping on Dwight McNeil. He's going to be, he is a prospect. But yeah, Manchester City with their reserve team. There was no De Bruyne, Sterling, Foden, um, I want to say, no, Aguero and Jesus started, didn't they? There was no Bernardo Silva. They dropped basically five or six of their starters and still strolled to a 3-0 win over Fulham. Fulham played really well first half um, and it was 0-0 until halftime. Fulham had a few chances where you thought, okay, maybe they could get something here, putting the pressure on and then um, City scored through John Stones in the 46th minute, which was correctly called by Chris on our WhatsApp on our WhatsApp chat. And beyond that point, the second they got that goal, Fulham just collapsed and City were so, so comfortable. The good news is I, by accident, captain John Stones in fantasy football this week and he got a clean sheet and a goal. So I was pretty happy with that. Uh, <laughs> sometimes not changing your team works. So there we go. Um, but Man City, again, proving the point that the only team that could beat them at the moment, apart from Manchester United, is their reserves. Um, for them to do this in a new formation and with basically a new team is very impressive. But it just shows the strength of depth they have there and that's what happens when you spend a billion pounds on a squad, right? Yeah, that can happen too. Still, quite a few games to talk about and not much time. There's but one more I'm going to mention. I saw a very incredible stat. The last three players in the Premier League to have scored hat-tricks are all African, and they are Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, uh, Rihad Maretz, I believe, and Ignacio for Leicester City with a hat-trick against the Sheffield United. And there was a lovely post-match interview after this. I don't know if you've seen it. So, unfortunately, uh, Kelechi lost his mum when he was 14. He wears the number 14 because of this, and he scored the hat-trick on the 14th, which was Mother's Day, and dedicated his goal to all the mothers in the world. It was a really nice video. Seems like a really humble guy. I think he's a striker. Yeah, I think he's a striker who doesn't get the credit he deserves. I think he was at City before this, right? And he always popped up with the odd goal. And Leicester, he's kind of used as an impact sub or kind of, you know, sub-striker. And he usually does a job. I like him. And the post-match interview was really heartwarming. Nice Mother's Day material, I think. But yeah, Leicester maybe not going to mess up this fourth, uh, this top four finish. Sheffield United have sacked Chris Wilder, which is the most ridiculous decision I can think of. I can imagine that he probably, a part of it is him leaving, but we will never really know. In the whole time that Chris Wilder had been at Sheffield United, they had never lost by more than three goals. Their worst defeat was 3-0. He leaves, they lose 5-0. This is an omen for Sheffield United. I think I said in a few pods ago, Sheffield United, you'll go down, but you'll be back. Now I'm not convinced if you'll be back. I think you've really, really 
fucked it on this one. <laughs> you really fucked it with this decision. I don't know which manager you're going to get in that you think is better. There's word of Neil Lennon, which is as much as I love Neil Lennon, you do not want him in charge of your club. He has not done a good job at Celtic the last time. I, I don't know who chef you are going to get that they think is better than Chris Wilder, but there is rumors of Chris Wilder rocking up at Celtic Park, which I think would be huge for Celtic and would be exciting, I think. I would quite like to see him at Celtic. But the one more game I'm going to mention is Brighton. They beat Southampton 2-1 away. And for the first time, Brighton lost the XG battle. No, Southampton had more XG than them, but they finally won a game. So, so XG doesn't mean shit, basically. Which right? one? Which one do you want, Potter? <laughs> which one do you want? Is it XG or or, or the points? Because you can only have one of them. Um, I think G's over XG's all the time. And quickly, 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 before we move on to our new game, um, we have to talk about Crystal Palace West Ham because no, Crystal Palace West Brom. Sorry, because well, nothing happened in the game. There was a Milivojevic penalty and Palace won 1-0. But interestingly, um, Zaha has refused to take a knee for the at the beginning of the game. And he kind of explained himself that like now taking the knee has just become a bit like wallpaper. Like it's just something we do when people, like no action's being taken. So I'm not going to take a knee anymore. I want to see action. I think this is a really good move. Obviously, I'm not going to judge him for how he wants to express this issue. As a white guy, I do not really have the kind of the range to talk about it. But I think it's really good because it refreshes the conversation, at least now, rather than it just becoming wallpaper and us being like, oh, taking the knee. Aren't we good? We're, we're just taking the knee. It's amazing. Now it gives the conversation a kickstart and puts a bit more focus on the FA and the Premier League to be right we've got to take some action. So he didn't refuse. He chose he chose to do this instead. Yes, thank you. Oh, that is a good that is a who, good who correction. Was it? Who was it again? Wilfred Zaha is okay. always quite outspoken yeah. on this because so, he gets sent a lot of abuse. Yeah. So okay, yeah, Wilfred Zaha uh, should be inspiration material for a certain LeBron James who He's one of the most influential athletes in the world. And when Colin Kaepernick took the knee, the knee and saw his career get basically finished because of that move, LeBron James didn't do anything because of that. But then when everybody started taking the knee, LeBron James was very quick to post a picture of him taking the knee and tagging Colin Kaepernick in it being, brother, we're all by your side. Too bad that was three years ago. So Wilfred, oh. three years before. So Wilfred Zaha... You really deserve some deserve a mention, and I think it's a actually very interesting move because I do agree it does feel like wallpaper a little bit. Like, yeah. okay, we're all taking the knee, but where are the actions being taken? So good for you, buddy. We wanted to talk also about the Europa League and the Champions League, but we're running out of time, and we would like to end on a high note with our new game. But before that, I just want to say that. We have been given a, f- a bit of friendly stick from a friend of mine because he said, ah, you guys were the Anglo-Italian connection. Now you are the Anglo-Italian pod. And the only Anglo-Italian fixture that was available, you didn't really talk about it. True, Fabio, you're right. AC Milan, Manchester United, we kind of overlooked it. Rory, did you watch the highlights for the first leg? 
I did. I went back and watched them. I know we really dropped the ball on this one. I think it's because Man United are a team that I don't like, and you're not going to sit and watch Milan highlights, right? Well, we, I think we, we both just kind of went, oh, thing, right? But because we're also recording on Thursday nights, so it's kind of... Yeah, I was good. too well, concentrated on the Arsenal. On Instagram and probably on Twitter. But my personal opinion was that AC Milan deserved the game. Mm. There was no handball on Frank C at the beginning. That was also a sick, sick goal. Ahmad Diallo, what a beautiful, beautiful goal. And Henderson, yeah, he should have kept that out on Kier's goal. But 1-1, I think it makes for a very, very interesting return leg at the San Siro this very week, this Thursday. I think we will be recording again, but this time I want to keep the game open so we can kind of like live comment on it. Rory, who do you think is going to go through, AC Milan or Manchester United? I think Manchester United have been better away this year than they have at home, so I'm going to back United to do it. I think they've just got something about them. They'll be able to get past Milan. Like we said, Milan are kind of fading away now, starting to have a few struggles. So I'm going to back United to go through, but you're right. We did any Anglo... Italian game we really need to jump on. We'll put that on the notes somewhere. <laughs> we definitely need to do that. You're yeah. taking you're taking menu. I'm taking AC Milan to advance. Also because right now, looking at Juventus' schedule without the Champions League, it's scary. I don't want to see that. Like Juventus are not going to lose these games, even though they're going to face bigger opposition. Good luck to AC Milan in the Europa League then. Very quickly, Champions League, Rory. Is any result going to be overturned? Man City, Gladbach, just go yes or no? No. They want 2 nil. No, it's not going to be overturned. Real Madrid, Atalanta? They want one I'm going to back Atalanta. I'm going to back Atalanta. Me too. Let's say yes. I'm going to say yes too. Bayern, Munich, Lazio? <laughs> no, Bayern are through. Yeah. And the Chelsea, Atletico Madrid? <sighs> I'm going to say Tuchel is going to outdo Simeone. I'm going to say Chelsea go through. I'm not usually one for backing the English teams, but I think Chelsea are going to do this. Me too. I think that Chelsea and uh, Chelsea are going to go through. I'm not sure if Atalanta are going to go through. We shall see. That might have been my heart over my head, I'll be honest. That might have been my heart over my head. Let's end on a high note with our brand new... Lower or higher? Higher or lower game. So until I think of a clever pun, this is going to be the name. Any suggestions are welcome, listeners, because I was spent at least 20 minutes staring at the ceiling thinking, what can I call this bloody game? But for now, it's called higher or lower. So we're going to try the sharing the screen function here. People who are listening, you can still play along. You just can't see the pretty pictures. So what is going to happen is I'm going to show Tommy a player from Serie A history. And I'm going to tell them how many goals that pl- that player has scored. I'm going to tell Tommy another player, and he needs to say if they have scored more or less goals than that player. Um, I think in the UK it was called... Um, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, higher or lower? It, you'll figure it out as we play along. So nice. if so we go, week, share your I'm screen. Tommy, you're going to have to tell me if this works, because once I share the yeah. screen, I can't be on this um, page. So... Let's see. Um, Finestra dell'applicazione. Here we go. So, I can see we see this? Can yes. we see this? Yes, it's working. Yes. Good. So, here we have. Who is this, Tommy? Wait, I have to zoom in because my. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's an interplayer. Oh, it's uh, Ince, right? It is Paul Ince. So, Paul Ince, in his time at Inter, he scored. 
10 goals, okay? 10 goals in his Inter career. So your next player is... Oh, come on. No, we're still... Yeah. It's Cafu. So did Cafu score more or less goals than Ince in his time in Italy? I think he scored more. Oh, he only scored five goals, Tommy. Five five goals. Between Roma and AC Milan? Yeah, that's what my research was showing me. If it's wrong, blame Wikipedia. Wow. So So Now, Tommy, you're going to have to keep an eye on the chat and see if people along are playing at home. No, they're they're not playing. They're talking. So there is a conversation between Chris and the Hopeless Wanderer podcast. Okay, well, we're going to, for fun, we <laughs> shall continue. So, Tommy, yeah, the next player, <laughs> the next player is Marcello Salas. Did he score more or less goals than Cafu? He scored more, definitely. He scored 53 goals. Correct, yeah, Tommy. Right. The next player is Rui Costa. He scored less. Correct, 42 goals. Okay, and the final player is... Zidane, more or less than Rui Costa? He scored more than 42 goals. No. Less. He scored 24 goals. So Only that is... Or at Juventus in Serie A. Wow. That is our game of higher or lower. What did you think, Tommy? Did you like it? <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> I think it's fun. I think it's fun. I think it actually deserves a longer section of our Euro Review Monday. Maybe we can go a little quick. So we are the Anglo-Italian pod, after all. Maybe we need to like talk less about the other leagues, talk more about Serie A and the Prem, and then give a good bunch at the end of this game. I liked it. So, Chris... Good, I'm glad. Have... I just feel like we we keep just getting making these things longer and longer, but I, I don't care. So, just like yeah, yeah. So, guys, <laughs> yeah. deal with it, right? Yeah. But no, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Before we say goodbye to you, Liverpool are still winning 1-0. Barcelona have now made it 3-1 with a goal by the incredible TBD to be decided. They haven't haven't TBD'd that yet. (laughs) I had a good time. I am very excited to for the rest of the season to go on. Kind of want to see if Inter Milan... I, I kind of want the final game. There are 11 games left. I want the last one to come already. But... Champions League and Europa League action. Guys, we're going to be recording again on Thursday, possibly during the Europa League games. This episode is going to be available tomorrow morning on Tuesday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Twitter, Italian Anglo Pod, and on Instagram, Anglo Italian Pod. And we shall talk to you again on Friday. Right, Rory? We'll see you on Friday, guys. Thank you for everybody who tagged along. And if you're listening on a Tuesday, boo, tune in on to Twitch or YouTube next time. Talk to you later, everybody. 